Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing uh, details from previous episodes. I am not a homeowner, but this episode gave me a lot of uh, secondhand anxiety. <laughs> and I'm Harrison. And I'm Jason, and I am confusing Harrison with my lips and my words. That's what, that's what, like, uh, Anya said to Xander. Oh, yeah, clearly you were. <laughs> what are you talking about? Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Oh, uh, we are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 4, Flooded. This is the one where Buffy has money problems. Uh, unfortunately, uh, their, uh, a lot of their savings and inheritance was eaten up by medical bills. Uh, which is because America is America. <laughs> um, uh, also, Giles returns from uh, England, and we meet a trio of no, not new characters entirely, but uh, returning and new characters in a an antagonistic role. Flooded was written by Jane Espenson and Douglas Petrie. And was also directed by Douglas Petrie, and it originally aired on October 16th, 2001. Jason, what are we drinking today? Red wine. Red wine. <laughs> I also have some... Uh... Dr. Pepper that I poured for myself because I was I was having a hankering. Yeah, I'm sure those two flavors mix perfectly. In fact, I'll just go ahead and pour that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I literally don't know. I've never had Dr. Pepper in my life because, you know, can't drink it. I don't um, know, like, what the flavor of it is. It's kind of like a caramel-esque flavor. Okay. Um, I actually don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to drink. I'm not going to do it. But, um, I mean, you. I don't. I don't know what to say about your taste senses, but your sense of taste. But it. Uh, I just don't know. Sometimes, <laughs> you, sometimes you eat strange things. I am a complicated man. <laughs> um. Oh gosh, I didn't think of it. I didn't prepare a toast. Um, Do we ever prepare a toast? Sometimes. Oh, <laughs> if I remember. That's news to me. But, um. Here's to all of the babies in the world. We're really coming in this one strong, aren't we, Harrison? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let's talk about Flooded. So, we open up. The episode in the summer's basement. Uh, Buffy is skulking about the shadows. Uh, it looks like she's on the prowl for maybe a monster or a, a baddie. But nope, she is just looking for the source of a leak in their pipes. Mr. Drippy. Mr. Drippy. Uh, Dawn comes downstairs and she sits on the steps and uh, she's like, you know, I can just call a plumber. And Buffy's like... I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. So she, you know, she, she, she butts us with it. 
Uh, leak stops. Everything seems well. And then just a deluge of water erupts from every direction. Two sprays in particular just nailing Dawn. I really do think that uh, even though Michelle Trachtenberg knew it was going to happen, I think a little bit of that surprise is still genuine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no way to like really prepare yourself for such a thing. Um, I am curious if that was a, you know, okay, you know, get the shop back out. Someone run Michelle through the through the dryer real quick or if it was like a, we have one shot at this um yeah that uh, all i could think of was that uh that effect it seemed like it was something that they just wanted to do <laughs> just to, so that they could do it and they they didn't have to it it, it doesn't see, it seems like they could have done something completely different mm-hmm. like something catching on fire that seems to happen more often in buffy than that but I think they're just like, let's see if we can do this. And they did. Yeah, it looks great. It's very It, it does. Um, even though, like, uh, now I'm no plumber, but I don't think that would happen exactly that oh, way. no way. <laughs> Absolutely not. But, you know, artistic license and all. I, um, very good sight gag. Yeah. Um, the next morning, they are... And now we know why um, the episode's called Flooded. Yes. The next step, uh, the next episode, the next morning, they're up in the kitchen, and it took me a minute to realize that they were in the kitchen because it's filmed like from the opposite angle that the kitchen is usually filmed at, like from the sink's perspective. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think this season they do try to show a few more interior, and also the next season as well. Yeah, they try they try to show as many shots and angles from the summer's house because i think these last two seasons it becomes a much more important right much more important setting than like it's ever been yeah i i noticed it when they were in the living room too um it wasn't as drying because we've gotten that angle in the living room before but yeah um but they are um they did call a plumber. Uh, they did call a plumber. Um, they are... Uh, it's going to be extremely expensive. They did one um, of those classic, is that the bill or the phone number? Yeah. <laughs> um, there is a bit here where, while they're talking, um, Buffy's just staring at the sink while the water runs. Um, she just seems a million miles away. She responds to... Uh, Tara's comment about Buffy or Dawn not eating breakfast with telling saying that uh, breakfast is the most important meal yeah. of the way of the day. It's incredibly important. You should eat breakfast three times a day, <laughs> which I would because breakfast is like yeah. the best meal of the day. Real Ron Swanson energy. Yes, <laughs> and I mean like also she later says uh, bills are just pieces of paper sent by bureaucrats. <laughs> also real Ron Swanson energy. <laughs> Um, I do have to say though they they try to use this scene to kind of set up Buffy's state of mind post uh, resurrection, but they only have this one scene to make that reference of, and also yeah. like you know the episode before, so it, it it almost seems out of place, yeah, with everything else because Buffy is very present 
for every other scene in the in the episode yeah it's odd choice it's an odd choice because it yeah she's like you know i we are seeing that her she's off like that's that's pretty obvious but this sort of zoning out thing that she's doing is it yeah it's not really consistent um and she kind of has a moment towards the end of the episode when she's staring at the pipe in the basement again but it's like it's not this like middle distance gazing it's yeah. you know just like a fuck like mm-hmm. like um and we've all had that one <laughs> yeah um so uh willow explains to buffy that the um the life insurance money that they received a lot of that was taken up by um uh hospital bills for joyce um and they just really don't have a ton of money right now which is not great um i will say uh, i i've i've seen people give tara and willow a lot of flack for like living in the house and not contributing monetarily i just want to put this out there that at no point in the season is it ever addressed whether or not they are providing any money in the house um so, i mean like did does willow have any in do, do willow or tara have any income i mean i would imagine willow probably gets some money from her parents because the one time we met uh willow's parents it did seem like they were pretty well off um because like both her parents are like psychologists right maybe yeah so i would i personally would imagine that like that yeah the the rosenbergs mr and mrs or or maybe bankrolling willow some um tara i don't know but i you know, wouldn't be shocked if tara had like a part-time job somewhere um, we only get to see 40 minutes of these people's lives a week. Like, That's true. <laughs> um, but, or like an on-campus job or something. Um, but this is just speculation on my point. Um, but th- that's just my way of saying, like, I personally believe that they are chipping in, in some capacity. <laughs> well, I mean, they can't, like, they can't just not be doing anything. Otherwise, they would have, like... They would have been kicked out of the house yeah. a long time ago. Like, the bank would have foreclosed on it. Right. So, um, and like, you know, the, the electricity would have been turned off, and so would the water. So, <laughs> it's like they had to have had some money. Uh, and since most of, like, the money that uh, that Joyce left was in, like, was taken up by the hospital bills, that's like, yeah, there has to be some money that they're contributing. Yeah. Although we don't know if, did they establish in this episode when, uh, did Joyce own the house outright or was she still making mortgage, more, more mortgage payments on it? The, I remember the banker said, um, the house was never fully something and I can't remember the okay. term that he used. Um, I'm very bad at financial stuff and honestly, <laughs> it, especially when it's my financial stuff, it stresses me out, good or bad. Yeah. Um, I mean... They've only lived in this house for six years, so I can't imagine that 
you know, on a single mother's salary and maybe some child support and alimony payments, but I fucking doubt it. Um, so anyway, uh, they're coming up with some ideas about Hope what you to... Guys are, <laughs> you guys are excited to hear us talk about fictional finances. <laughs> uh, Anya suggests that Buffy starts charging for saving people. Uh, and, you know, I was just put this out. I, I agree that they, she can't be just charging people for, for saving their lives. But uh, this is just my annual diatribe that the Watchers Council should be fucking paying Buffy. Um, I thought you were going to make like some kind of comment as to, uh, like, you know, how Angel Investigations charges. I but, mean, I mean, they are, like, they are a service that people seek out. Yeah, and they never, like, ask people who they, like, save... Yeah, like they're just, just randomly. Yeah, they're doing like random saving. It's just like, hey, are you all right? You're good. <laughs> um, yeah, they only charge like their clients who uh-huh. hire them. So that doesn't. I don't have a problem with that. Um, Angel sometimes does, but uh, listen, my friend, you have employees who need to eat. We, we have we have discussed this. <laughs> um, she uh, Anya specifically says that they should start charging. Uh, Spider Man does leads to her getting into a uh, an argument with Don over this. There's a bit of a childish, like, he does so, does not, does so. Um, and it's kind of funny that Don's the one who, like, kind of stops mid, like... Uh, Go, goes, to the, goes to the true source of information. Yes. Uh, and while it's true that Spider-Man doesn't charge people, um, he does uh, take pictures of himself and then sells those pictures... But I, I, there's conflict nothing, of interest. <laughs> there's nothing too sleazy about that. Um, so uh, Anya gets mad that Xander doesn't take her side on this. They go outside and they. Uh, she also there's like a little bit of um, when, like when when uh, Xander's trying to like you know go after her and talk to her. Willow's got a little bit of a smile on her face. I don't know if she, like, <laughs> takes delight in the... Oh, she likes the drama. <laughs> I mean, listen to the way she was describing the spell to Giles. Like, she was like... I, I know, but... It was like, a it, scene. It, it, it's not... It, I guess it's the fact that, like, it's it's the whole... It really did kind of feel like, oh, good, they're having problems again. <laughs> Even though, like, you know, we've had this... We, we already had Triangle happen where we try to, like, find some common ground. But maybe she's more just, like, the Kermit the Frog meme where she's sipping the tea. Like, <laughs> well, well, who am I to say about that? Yeah. I mean, it does feel like... I think that's... They've definitely buried the hatchet. But there's... There's always going to be a, some mild antagonism between these two. Um, so, uh... Anya explains to Xander that she's upset. She's uh, that they still haven't announced their engagement, and uh, he gives this big speech about how you know it's a big step, and you know all these little steps are all so important, and I want to make sure that they're all just right and perfect. And she melts a little, and she kisses him, and then she's like, "Hold up, no, buddy, <laughs> uh, you're just stalling again." Um, and I'm glad that she stands not, up for herself. I'm not here. gonna lie, I completely forgot that they still hadn't told anybody that they were engaged. I'm like, damn, they've been engaged for a while. And for 
months now. Yeah. So, I mean, we, what did we determine? Buffy was dead for two and a half months, three and a half months? I mean, uh, Spike was the one who kept, like, the exact yeah. count. <laughs> like, 180-something days. Yeah. And this... Well, that would have been six months, so... Yeah. This can't be more than a few days post-resurrection. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure Giles came literally as quickly as he possibly could. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking this is maybe two or three days later. Um, so she, um, yeah, Anya storms off um, and tells Xander to grow up. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I think Xander has grown up quite a bit. It was like, you, but... were, you were the one who was just having an argument about Spider-Man with a 15-year-old. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do, and now you're getting angry about that. <laughs> I do think, though. I think she. I think her point is valid, though. I, I can. I could see the. We're waiting till we know if we're going to successfully resurrect Buffy. Yeah, but at this point, like, she's right. He's no, yeah, stalling. Now, yeah, it's, now it's time to shit or get off the pot. Literally. <laughs> um, although literally. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why I said that. Probably because we've been talking about plumbing. <laughs> well, true. true. Um, okay, so we're gonna play a, a real quick game. Okay, I like games. So it's gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna describe to you a scene from a movie and/or television show. You're gonna tell me what it's from. It'll be multiple choice. Okay. All right. All right. Our hero goes into a bank. Our hero. And their family's having some financial trouble. Spider-Man 2. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> You're in my bit! <laughs> but literally, it's the exact same scene. <laughs> I mean, Buffy did it first. Spider-Man 2 didn't come out till 2004? Uh, yes, yeah, 2004. Um, but yeah, I just... <laughs> I remember watching this for the first time and having seen Spider-Man 2 being like... Remarkably similar. Um, but yes, Buffy has gone to the bank to uh, to get a loan. She's brought uh, apparently every document she owns, including <laughs> old report cards. And listen, Buffy, sweetie baby, we know Don't you didn't. talk to her like that. We, did, we know your grades weren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe leave that alone. <laughs> it's not a judgment. I understand that you had other things going on that took priority. Um, but, yeah, she... Uh, yeah, she gets rejected for the loan. Um, I also just want to throw this out there, um, just as a reminder for everyone, that... Buffy is 21 years old, dealing with all of this shit. I don't know if I could handle dealing with the shit that she's going through right now, and I'm 30. Like, <laughs> um, And at the time I was watching this, when I first watched it, I was 17. So, like, I don't think I really got it, you know? No, um, like I said, uh, especially when we, uh, when we did TomCon uh, mm-hmm. last year or excuse me, the year before, and I talked about an episode we're going to get to yeah. this season, Double Meat Palace. Um, it, uh, this season especially has a lot of like the, like this is the season where the Scoobies and Buffy in particular are faced with growing up mm-hmm. and having to deal with those decisions. Yeah. It's like 
Yeah, you know, the last two seasons we were in, uh, we were in college, but uh, college is college is that weird sort of like space in between mm-hmm. where it's like, oh yeah, you're you're out of the house, but you're still in like this very structured place that's a bit of a safety net, more of mm-hmm. a safety net than I think people give it credit for. But you're not in the real world yet. Yeah, I'm actually really I the uh, glad you used the word safety net words of safety net because I was about to say the same thing because Buffy has always been a coming of age show and we've seen Buffy and the rest of the Scoobies growing up and hitting various milestones over the years but they've always had a safety net uh, that was or safety nets um, that was represented most visibly by Joyce yeah and um you know, Buffy doesn't have that anymore. Buffy has to be the safety net for Dawn now, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's a it's an it's a it's a brand new dynamic for the for the show and for the characters, and and I think generally the show's pretty successful with it. It fumbles in some places, but um, yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting new dynamic, and I know that. For some people, it's not. And that's why this season is so controversial. Um, yeah, because but... I mean, you have to think, like, look at a show like Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we we loved Rory um, as she was going through, like, the high schools and college stuff. Uh, but then, you know, when she started making decisions that, uh, you know, she had to live with the consequences and everything, mm-hmm. she started making stupid decisions, like, you know, stealing a boat or... We literally watched (laughs) that episode like two nights ago on the rewatch we're doing. (laughs) And it's funny, just kind of a bit of of a tangent, kind of, but it relates to this, like, how our perspectives on things shift as we we get older. Yeah. Um, I remember always being on Lorelai's side over the, when she goes to her parents and getting their help i've always been on lorelei's side and rewatching it this time while i still think that richard and emily's like basically stabbing her in the back and doing this behind her back uh is really really shitty as richard was like explaining like we need to let her take the time off figure her shit out and then you know when she's in a better headspace we can talk about getting her back to school and figuring shit out i was like yeah actually that's the way this situation should be handled. And you all are shitty for doing it behind Lorelai's back, but I kind Yeah, of because, to... you know, the Gilmores are a healthy family <laughs> well, dynamic. Yeah. But it was just, it, it just was, like, as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, dropping out of school, like, absolute worst thing she could do. Despite the fact that I dropped out of college at one point to figure my shit out and then ended up going back and getting a degree that I wanted. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure that, like, the reason you did it is better than the reason that Rory did Well, it. yes. <laughs> uh, well, kind of. <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not get into too many personal details of that. But yeah, like, it's... it's um, Gilmore Girls is definitely a uh, show, as is Buffy, that has a, a bit of a new sheen on it when I look at it through my adult experience. Yeah. And even though, like, you know, I just... I watched Gilmore Girls in, uh, like, the end of college. Mm-hmm. Um, even now, like, when I think about some of the storylines, I'm like, oh, hey, 
this is I see this differently now. Yeah. And it's definitely with Buffy, because I mean I was yeah. watching Buffy like middle of college. Well, and they're both coming of age dramas yes. in many ways. And on the WB, yeah. for the most part. <laughs> and um and Gilmore Girls in particular is dealing with multi-generations. So I guarantee in, you know, 40 years, I'm gonna, I might watch the show and be like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm on Emily's side. <laughs> like, Although I'm always on Emily's side because she's my favorite character, even when I'm very, very mad at her for the shit she's pulling. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, I just, I'm always very fascinated about about shifting perspectives and about that sort of thing. And you're probably um, wondering why we're talking about Gilmore Girls and how that relates to Buffy. <laughs> We've already told you, but we also have the return of Jonathan. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, there's Gilmore something Girl really alum. obvious here. Yeah, Gilmore Girl alum who uh, who played Doyle in uh, yes. in a few seasons of Gilmore Girls. Uh, John loves. The Doyle Paris relationship. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's so good. It was funny because he was he was like we were watching one episode and he was like, "Is it weird that I just really really love their dynamic?" And I was like, "No, they're a very popular pairing." Yeah. Like, um. Yes. Uh, so at the bank, um, Buffy is rejected for the loan, and uh, the bank is subsequently attacked by a demon. Uh, there's a great bit where Buffy tries to kick the demon, but the skirt she has chosen is like a, uh, like, like ankle length without any sort of like, um, slit. Basically you have to walk like a penguin. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) also fantastic payoff because before the loan officer comes in, Buffy's like kind of rehearsing what Mm -hmm. she's going to say. Like, uh, oh, like, this is my first time getting a loan. Um, yeah, let's talk finances. Let's close this. This just says to herself, like, oh, stupid skirt. <laughs> and the fact that she, like, is in the fight, tries to kick the demon. Um, right after saying, like, this is the line to get kicked in the face. Yeah. And <laughs> she can't kick it. It's like, oh, stupid skirt. Surprisingly good payoff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she gets uh, knocked uh, knocked into the bank manager's, like, onto his desk, or she uses a letter opener to create a slit in the side of her, her skirt, allowing her the mobility to fight. Um, I feel like this is a mistake Buffy will never make again. She Mobility is number one. Um, and, yeah, she... Um, she <laughs> There's a bit... This is just a joke that always, always works for me, no matter what the context is. Where the demons like picked her up and has her over her shoulder. The security guard is like, uh, he's like, put that girl down. He fires a shot from his gun. Yes. And the demon <laughs> throws Buffy at him. I am sorry. Anytime someone's like, put that person down, put that thing down, and then just it gets chucked at them, gets a laugh from me. The gold standard has to be the Dark Knight, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, like let her go. Very poor word choice. Oh, oh yeah. I good laugh, good laugh. <laughs> um, but, uh, also, like a famous bank scene in the Dark Knight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, and Buffy does pick up the uh, gun, and she's like, just a heads up. These not usually not helpful. Throws the gun aside and it goes <laughs> off. <laughs> Buffy, you could have killed someone, uh, and not the person you were trying to kill. 
Um, the demon does get away with a considerable amount of cash. Uh, Buffy shoots her shot one more time. Oh, funny story. Uh, a funny thing I forgot to mention. Uh, when Buffy is talking with the uh, with the loan officer, mm-hmm. um, he's saying that like the only collateral that she has is the house. The house is never fully. I think it's like paid off, and uh, you know property values in Sunnydale yeah. for some reason are very low. Are like you know why they're low. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to live in this town because it's on a hell mouth. Oh my god. <laughs> so. Um, uh, yeah, she tries one more time. She's like, hello? Not, I'm not saying I'm charging you. Uh, but as she tells Willow Can later... talk loan? <laughs> Perhaps <Please>. maybe loan? <laughs> Money, please! Money, please! <laughs> um, and unlike... Uh, Dr. Saperstein, whose first name I cannot remember, uh, he does not go, yes, baby angel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, Willow, Buffy explains to Willow that she still got shot down, uh, they're in the training room of the magic box, uh, Buffy is taking out her anger on the, uh, punching bag, uh, on the punching bag, not on Puffy Xander this time, um, and Willow's, Willow's like, fucking capitalism's bullshit, um, but then she gets excited when she notices that, uh, Buffy is angry, and she's, Buffy's like, oh, sorry, and she's like, no, angry's good, angry's, you know, it's a, it's an emotion. Again, it's weird for this to be a story beat when, it's, when it's not. (laughs) Yeah, it it just, if there was maybe one more scene Mm -hmm. to show her being distant, but again, she's been very present since that, like, scene of her looking at the, the faucet. I think what would have made this work is not specifically if it had been a, one more scene of her being distant. Although I think maybe two would have helped. But if it was being distant very specifically with Willow. Um, who is kind of the symbol of her trauma. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, all the Scoobies share a certain amount of responsibility. But, I mean, Willow really is like... And she's the, the one that leads to, that leads to arguably the best scene in the episode. Oh, oh it's so uh, good. I, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Not even just best in the episode. Like, it's gonna rank pretty highly of scenes in the series. Look what look what I wrote. No, oh, sorry. I, I for some reason my brain like was not functioning. <laughs> um. You, are you do you need to stare at the faucet for a little bit <laughs> you should eat breakfast three times a day oh my gosh um so uh willow decides she's gonna try to help buffy get that anger back she explains that she uh a couple months ago she slept with uh slept with riley buffy's like yeah i doubt that and she's like you're right that was a lie to cover up my even more torrid affair with Angel. To which Buffy's like, Willow, what, what are you doing? And she's like, pissing you off. And Buffy's like, yes, but why? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, and so I actually wouldn't, I'd give more credence to the, uh, to the Riley, uh, to the Riley thing because, you know, 
they had a bit of a yeah they, they had a bit they had a bit of a thing like i mean obviously like uh you know rather more like hey um i think your friend's cute can i like and uh you know will was like oh yeah well this is this is the kind of stuff that she likes. Cheese. <laughs> she likes cheese. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like the like the Angel Willow thing. Oh, no. Wow. Never. <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, out in the uh, magic box proper, um, Anya is haranguing Xander to tell everyone. Uh, he's still being a little bitch about it. And uh, I just word choice. <laughs> I just got a great line. She's like, "Do you hear this tone in my voice? I just like it more than you two, and I'm closer to it." <laughs> uh, um, have you ever had that where, like, you I don't know, you're like upset about something or or whatever, and then at some point you just become very aware of like your tone and like. Like oh that's awful like and now I'm not in it for and I can't not stop. for a very long time because I've I I probably spent a good deal of my teenage years being tone deaf to myself <laughs> and uh, I think it kind of I started noticing it so especially over like the last like five or so years I've made an effort to always be aware of my tone mm-hmm. and. Uh, Typically, that normally le- that normally leads to me not coming across as an asshole. So, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's a it's a tough journey, guys. It, <laughs> that's not even a joke. It really is because I I can be such an asshole, <laughs> but I haven't been for a while. <laughs> He's a recovering asshole. Yeah, um, it's important. I we need more of those in the world instead of just plain assholes. Yep. Um, Cool ranch assholes. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Don wants to, uh, to help do the research. Um, Tara is like, no, because you're only fifteen, and I'm like, okay, but like, how old was Buffy at the beginning of the series? It, it very much reminds me of um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh huh. When, uh, you know, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are going to go to the Ministry of Magic to, like, you know, help what they think is help Sirius. Uh, and, you know, then Neville and uh, and Ginny show up like, hey, we're going to help too. And, uh, and uh, they're like, uh, no, you're too young. And Ginny's like, I'm four, I am uh, three years older than you were when you went to go find the Sorcerer's Stone. So. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I the way they the way they leave or try to like leave Don out of this stuff is really annoying to me. Like I get that Buffy's overprotective, but like she can't research. I mean, yeah, she did see that demon's penis apparently, but like <laughs> that's a weird place for a horn. <laughs> no, if I had to guess, I'd say that. Uh, well, I mean, everybody's kind of taken the overprotective yeah. uh, route with Dawn. We saw it with Spike, and obviously, like, uh, you know, Willow and Tara have been watching over her for, like, the past couple months. Right. Um, and I also think when you're the age that the Scoobies are, when you're in your 20s and you find yourself kind of, and, you know, probably even, like, even teenagers when they have to babysit, um, 
when you find yourself in the care of somebody younger than you, it's like the first time, uh, unless you like, you know, grew up with younger siblings. And I think the urge is to be overprotective yeah. as opposed to like give them their space. Yeah. You know, same things probably could be said of new parents as well. Yeah. I just think it's a dumb thing to be overprotective. I get. Oh no, it really is. That. It really, yeah, it, it really is. And they, and yeah, and Dawn needs to point out, Hey guys, I'm the same age that you all were when you yeah. all were like, Hey, let's go like hang out with this weird blonde chick who likes killing demons. <laughs> I like when she's like, uh, she's like, if you if you don't let me research, I'm just gonna learn everything I know about demons on the streets. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> and Tara, that's what makes Tara say, "Knock yourself oh, out." Oh gosh! Um, it's and of a, course, the first thing that Dawn opens to is um, a demon with a very large penis. Yep. Um, but Buffy or Buffy, the, all, Buffy. and the, and you know, I this is actually like surprisingly good. Com- well, I shouldn't be surprised. Um, because you know Michelle Trachtenberg was on all that, uh, mm-hmm. so the fact that she's got the comedy chops shouldn't surprise me. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, her comedic timing in this episode, but also just the slow closing of the book and the slow opening of it. Later. <laughs> yeah. It was good. Uh, yeah, I think season five she didn't get a lot of comedy, but there was one moment that, uh, um, ironically, it was the body um, where she has the line where she's. Uh, talking about the girl in her class who mispronounced annals. And I, I remember being just like, that was... She did a really good job with that joke. Like, she's just subtle enough that it's like, you know, she didn't go over the top with it, but we still got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dawn does prove them all wrong and successfully uh, identifies the Mfashnik uh, and it is mm fashionic, like mm cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so for some reason, I always seem to associate that joke with um, with a certain mystical object that comes into play at the end of season seven. Mm, um, yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, like I always think, like when they're talking about the name of this object, it's like, a, oh, it's like mm cookies. I don't know. Do they bring that back up again, or is that just in this episode? I don't know because I. There is a very, there, there's a similar joke. I don't know if they bring back mm cookies, but if they don't, it's it's something very similar. But yes, mm cookies is very funny. Um, so, uh, Buffy and Willow come back. They, they're like, okay, we found the demon. And that's when... So, wait a minute. So then Buffy says, like, oh, you're doing research now? Should I get you a cappuccino oh. and a carton of cigarettes? <laughs> the, maybe she doesn't say a carton, but she says, like, can I get you, like, a cappuccino and some cigarettes? And I, as a coffee drinker, I feel like you should not equate those two things. It's like... I don't know. It's just, like, it's it's just so weird to me that she's associating researching demons with, like, being a grown-up. And it's like... Just everyone give her a damn book. It's, it's that overprotectiveness I again. Know. It's stupid. I'm mad about it. <laughs> but yes, now um, we get to the... Buffy looks off into the middle distance. Willow is immediately like, holy shit, the middle distance. Uh, but it's because Giles is there. There's a reason that Anthony Stewart Head is a special guest star in this episode. Yeah, um, yeah he's back. Oh, lovely, uh, lovely hug between the two. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I love that 
Jell says, you're still incredibly strong. <laughs> and she doesn't get it right away. She's like, what? <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, it's a lovely... She uh, There's a line where Buffy sarcastically refers to herself as a miracle. And Giles just says, well, yes, but I always did think so. Oh! Yeah. Oh! Tony head. Oh, what a what a oh god, man! This this dynamic. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah. So we back back to the training room we go. Um, uh, and Buffy, uh, you know, she explains that she's still getting used to things. She's, you know, it's it's weird. It's a little overwhelming. Um. And uh, she kind of, like, gets a little self-deprecating. <laughs> Who, Buffy? Never. Um, kind of, like, implying that her being back from the dead is inconvenient for Giles, who's trying to start a new life for himself. And he's like, no, I'm, like, happy you're here. Yeah. It's just strange. Like, Giles is feeling other emotions, We'll find out about those in a scene yes. or two. Yes. Uh, but yeah, um, Giles does uh, give updates on what he's on what he's been up to, which is pretty much kind of starting a new life. He still meets with the Watchers Council. Blarg. <laughs> Buffy's even like, Ugh. that was fun. <laughs> but uh, he has a flat in Bath, <laughs> and uh, he meets up with some old friends, probably some old lovers, because. Giles is a player. Where's Ethan Rain been? What's he up to? <laughs> but also, uh, he um, says, oh, and I almost made a new friend, which my age is uh, statistically... Quite remarkable. Yeah, statistically quite remarkable. And you know, I don't think I got that joke when I first saw this, but <laughs> now I think of... Um, and I think a lot of adults can relate to this... Uh, if if somebody new is entering a friend group that I'm in, because, like, you know, you know, like, my friend groups and, mm-hmm. you know, we're really tight-knit, ours included. And if it, if a new person's coming in, then it's not the hardest thing in the world. But if we're trying to, like, meet somebody, it like, uh, I just started, uh, I just started rehearsals for a new show. And, uh, in town and I uh, and you know we met the cast last night and I don't know almost any of them <laughs> but I also wasn't like also it might have been because I was really tired <laughs> but I wasn't like oh hey what's up hey what's up hey what's up like uh, meeting somebody completely new and being fr- like making a friend is <laughs> strangely difficult when yeah. you're older yeah um, well, you probably because you're, you're just so used to dealing with your own shit that if somebody isn't caught up on it, yeah. then it's like I don't have time for you. I've got you, my I've got all the shit to worry about. You didn't you didn't know me, and when I had any of my shitty ex boyfriends, so not worth my time now. <laughs> you weren't there when I nearly ruined my life over a guy who didn't give two shits about me. So I don't need you here now. <laughs> um. Uh, we do learn that the uh, Giles explains that the fashionic demon they are um, typically mercenaries for hire um, so that begs the question who hired this guy to rob a bank and that question is immediately answered it is 
Jonathan, Warren, and Tucker. Not Tucker. Oh, Tucker's brother. Yeah. Andrew. Um, Probably because that actor didn't want to come back. Uh, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. So, the, uh, so Brad Kane, who played Tucker, was asked back to play, to reprise his role um but he would he was unavailable for whatever reason so they created the andrew character um and it's actually funny because we in this episode we get we get us an early sense of the dynamic that of the three of them warren is more malicious and yes. jonathan and andrew kind of see this as a game um and originally, um, from what I understand, it was Tucker who was going to be the, like, the leader who was, yeah, who had, who had that, uh, nastier streak. Um, and, I mean, it's, it, I don't want to almost say that, like, I'm glad things worked out this way because, you know, I don't know how it would have looked for that actor. Yeah. But Adam Bush plays this role so well. Yes, that I can't. He he's incredibly despicable. Oh, he's so good at it, and I just I I I don't know. I it's so hard to talk about this without like context for what comes later. Yeah. Um. But uh. But all, yeah. that, all that being said, um. So we get maybe our big bads for this season. Yeah. Uh. They're definitely. Um, that for some reason they did, their mission is to uh, take over Sunnydale. take over Sunnydale, which they just like decided over a game of D and D. Yeah. Um. So here's something I was not expecting when we finally got to see the trio in action. These guys are problematic. As oh fuck. fuck yes. Uh, like I guess maybe just I wasn't aware of all of the problems with these three guys but this is like i think everything that i found funny about them in this episode when i first saw it Mm -hmm. i do not find i find almost like not funny at all um because they're constantly it's it's very much like weird science sort of uh Mm -hmm. but you know extended into more because they're like oh yeah we're gonna take over sunnydale we're gonna kill the slayer. We don't want to kill her, you know, because because you know she saved our lives and she's hot. Like, yep. and we want to get chicks. We gotta get so many chicks. And like, oh my god, this is this is like some of the worst stereo like geek stereotyping I have ever seen. I mean, people give Big Bang Theory a load of shit, but this is like, yeah, they're pretty despicable. Yeah, um, I. It, it's. I I don't know if the word incel was being used in two thousand one. I don't think it is because I only found <laughs> out what that word meant last year. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, but like, you just know that Warren went and saw Captain Marvel. No, Warren didn't go see Captain Marvel, <laughs> but he was review bombing it. <laughs> on like every site possible, he the, like that's just, he's so. Well, and, I mean, we saw from his from his appearances last season that he very much is a 
He's very much a misogynist. Oh, extremely misogynistic. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I will say people have their opinions on the trio. <laughs> and, but I actually do think, at least as far as a recurring antagonist, to come after glory you cannot try to outdo yourself with a yeah, you like could, glory. Yeah, you could one-up glory. Um, so it's better to just not and, even try. <laughs> and again, like, as we talked about, the themes of this season are more about... Whereas the uh, in previous seasons, the coming-of-age stuff was woven into mm-hmm. the fight against this big evil... In this season, the coming of age stuff takes center stage mm-hmm. and almost stands on its own. And like the rest of the actual like conflicts with supernatural stuff and the trio almost seems secondary. Yeah. Which again, <laughs> we've talked about how people are divided on this season, and um this is obviously a big part of it. Yeah. I I, I will say that for the trio specifically, um, love them or hate them, or you know, indifferent to them, whatever your opinion are, they serve a very specific and very important role in the season mm-hmm. and its theme. Not, not like it certainly in its plot, but also very much in its themes as well. Um, and you could almost kind of say that they're a bit of a mirror of that coming of age stuff, but you know, a, a negative one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I am kind of judging, I, I am kind of judging the trio off of this initial appearance of them together and maybe seeing some, seeing like re-seeing some more of their episodes later on mm-hmm. uh, will remind me why I was normally not too harsh on them. Yeah. So, and here's the thing. They're, think, they're designed to be harsh on. I, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're designed I to be do evil. I think we can still laugh. Like, there's nothing... I mean, yes, they're despicable, they're yeah, awful, it, but we can still laugh when it's funny. Like, yeah, it's black just comedy like, exists. I know, it's just that, like, a lot of the stereotyping seems just a little, like, painful. <laughs> like, uh, the, the, the constant Star Trek references. Yeah. Um, like, when they have to hold their hands up, they hold it up, and, like, the Vulcans salute. And then uh, when Warner... Why do I keep saying Warner? I don't know. When Warren uh, gives, do you really the... want to watch Legally Blonde or something? I'm always. <laughs> <laughs> when Warren gives like the uh, the like Buffy's home address to the uh, to the demon, and he's like, "Oh, if you want to go kill her, make it so." Yeah. But I I do wonder. You know, Marty's in charge of the show now, and. I do wonder how much of some of the characteristics of the of the trio and of Warren in particular are maybe based on a certain former showrunner. Ooh. Interesting point. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> um I'm just speculating. Uh do we need to, I think we've hit all the major points of what we what the trio does in this episode is there any need for us to continue on with them or no really but now they have like now they have at the end of the episode they have the money without having to worry about that demon and uh they use it to uh buy flamethrowers 
uh, a periscope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, it was just giving me diva talks in Power Rangers. Uh, is turbo that, is that turbo? Yeah. yeah. Um, just <laughs> that series sucks. <laughs> the drag queeniest villain. In a series of a lot of drag queeny villains. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Turbo was never my favorite, but I always thought that Diva Talks was so funny. That might be like the least surprising thing um, about you that I've <laughs> ever heard. But yeah, oh my gosh. Their resorts are cars. Two thumbs down. Do you remember from Turbo Power Rangers movie when Cat walks in and says, like, but they're just ordinary cars? And Zordon says, no, Cat. They're extraordinary cars. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you remember? The fact that David Fielding had to say that with a straight face. Do you remember that they have a child be the Blue Ranger? Oh because... yeah, Justin, because uh because Rocky, um as with uh like his his real actor his real life actor counterpart, Steve uh, Cardenas, um he hurt his back. And oh, I didn't know that was. I didn't know that was the reason he left. Well, yeah, and like that's what happens in Turbo Power Rangers movie. Right. He um he's in the like, boxing in, match or it's like a martial arts competition, yeah. and he like hurts his back, so he can't be. He was the Blue Zio Ranger. He can't be the Blue Turbo Ranger, but now Justin is. Yeah, this kid. And it, I was, was even when I was a kid, I was like, "This is stupid." Well, it's so <laughs> funny when he first shows up in the car in like the blue car and. And, uh, like, all the other rangers turn around, and Justin gets out. I was like, I'm the blue turbo ranger. Like, you can see the look on Tommy's face, like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and then how he becomes adult-sized when he, oh, when he morphs. Yeah. Because, of course, in the original show, the blue ranger wasn't a fucking child. Fortunately, <laughs> um, that was the only season that he was on. I and think when everybody else went into space, he got left on Earth. I mean, he decided to stay on Earth, but I think yeah, he got left on Earth. But uh, that led into the best Power Rangers series, oh Power Rangers in Space. So good. But we're not here to talk about Power Rangers. We're, otherwise, we're going to talk about it forever. <laughs> we're starting to sound like the trio. <laughs> um, at the Summer's home, uh, Buffy is helping Giles uh, set up the couch where he's going to sleep. She's um, she's only she can only find her. Um, her sheets from her childhood she can't find the guest sheets because that's where mom always knew where those were she does a lot of comparing herself to her mom in this episode which Fair obviously yeah. makes perfect sense um, it's okay though because the sheets are whimsical <laughs> they're whimsical um, but Buffy explains to Giles the money situation and he's like okay you know what we'll tomorrow you and I will you know he's like you're not gonna worry about it tonight you're gonna go to bed you know, and we'll sit down and come up with a plan tomorrow. That is so obviously it's comforting the way that just because Anthony Stewart had delivers it perfectly, but the idea of having like a parent figure that like is ready to help you work mm-hmm. through something like that, because um, I think we've all been there. Yeah. Uh, it is, whether it be financial or otherwise, it is so so soothing it feels like a warm blanket of uh just like oh i i may have to move on from the safety net but it's still it's still a little little nearby 
we, you know, it's something, it's a conversation John and I have a lot. Whenever we're, uh, and it's usually around money, but whenever we're worried about our finances, um, you know, there was a period of time during the pandemic when I wasn't getting my unemployment because someone checked the wrong box somewhere at the unemployment office. Oy vey. Um, you know, stuff like that. Um, we do have to like remind ourselves and, you know, this is a privilege that we have and we acknowledge that, but, you know, we do have family who have both the means and the desire to help us when we need it. Yeah. And, you know, not everyone has that. Yeah. If you do, if you do have it, um, you should be like, be aware of it and be grateful to We're you know we're never going to be in a situation no, if it, where we're now if it, now if you're if your source of like you know help is being like shitty to you you don't have to be too grateful yeah, <laughs> yeah. but just, we're never going to be in a situation where we won't have a place to live or we won't have food and you know i don't want to sound morbid but quite frankly at some point we're going to be coming into quite a large piece of land um, that we'll be sharing with John's sister and um, hopefully not for a very long time. Like, but... Well, let's move on <laughs> to this before you dig a hole even deeper. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and I... Oh, God, I he says, she's like, you know, I'll, yeah... Put it aside for now, go to sleep, and then of course wake up at four in the morning in a panic. I was like, oof, Buffy. <laughs> Same girl. <laughs> Relatable content. Um, it's like, it, it's like, and you know, hats off to the writers because you totally believe that she's not, at, at this point, she's not worried about like the whole coming back to life being ripped out of heaven thing. She's like, shit, I gotta pay these water bills. Right. Full copper repipe. Uh, Full copper repipe. She, um, I feel like it's <laughs> the writers' room. They're like, okay, everyone, trauma dump. Tell us everything you were ever worried about in your early twenties and <laughs> the struggles you went through. Um, all right, we're in the kitchen. Here we go. This the lights so... are off because yeah. no one in this fucking episode can have a conversation with a light on. Well, I mean, <laughs> don't you know that electricity costs money here? <laughs> 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 Uh, Giles, Willow's in there. Giles is like, you need to tell me about the spell. About the spell. I need details. And she, oh, I, ooh, the way I wanted to smack Willow. She, I mean, she's so arrogant. She is, she's describing, uh, she's describing what happened and she, she's like, it was so cool and it was a little scary, but it was like awesome. Well, well you have to think this. up until this point. There hasn't been any reason for her not to feel this oh, way. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, ever since she did the reinstallment of Angel Spell, anytime she's able to do a spell like that, um, and her spells have keep getting bigger, she's received this positive reinforcement mm -hmm. from Giles, from Tara, and obviously the gang keeps coming back to her yeah. for like magic help. So that's another form of positive reinforcement. Yeah. And so she has no reason to act otherwise. She's just like, this is just my next step. And which is why this scene which is why oh, Anthony so Head in this in this scene is so good. And here's the other thing about Willow. Is she refuses to acknowledge or learn from 
uh, her mistakes that she's made. Um, I'm thinking two episodes where a character uses magic irresponsibly, um, bewitched, bothered, and bewildered, and, um, oh god, which one was it? It's the one where Tara makes, uh, everyone unable to see, oh, family, um, duh, the Tara episode, um, they both use magic irresponsibly in those episodes, never again. They, like, they, they learn. I mean, Willow, we've got something blue. Um, there's an example from season three that I can't, oh, Doppelgangland. Um, uh, she nearly fucking murders Veruca in, <laughs> like, um, you know, she, she keeps making big mistakes that are magic related. And yes, she has tons of successes as well. But she, every she seems to write off every mistake she makes as like, oh, that was a fluke, you know, that was yeah. a one time thing. But it's not like, um, so yeah, she's definitely that combined with with what you were saying. This the ego has inflated quite a bit, and I am so happy that Giles. Oh yeah, it is just it, well tries to shut it down, brought to a halt when he just says, "You stupid girl." Yeah, and Ugh. yeah, like just. The look on Allison's face when, um, Willow, sorry. <laughs> it's also Allison's uh, face. It is. It's just like sometimes we get a little too liberal with, like, oh, we're calling her Willow, like, one instance and then yeah. Allison in another. But, uh, yeah, the look on Willow's face, like, what, what are you talking about? And I thought you'd be happy. And Giles says, like, uh, he, st- he does say, like, oh, Buffy being back in in this world is like one of the most wonderful feelings ever, mm-hmm. but like you have to think of the cost. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, and she's like, "Well, what cost?" And he says, "Like, oh, I don't know, like killing yourself, killing everybody, destroying, the, like opening up hell dimensions." Yeah. I did like what Will Miller was like. What like what could I have done? Make her more dead? Which I just get a bit of a laugh out of me. It's dark, but it's. But it's also, it's, that's indicative too. Like she was not thinking about any potential consequences. Yeah. And she does say that, uh, oh yeah, she did what she had to do because he wasn't here. And he's like, yeah, well, I would have bloody well stopped you. Which she knows. She knows. Yeah. That's the reason that she didn't tell him. Yeah. Like it's the reason that they didn't tell Spike. Exactly. And they, they can lie to themselves all they want about their reasoning for lying, but but like and and you know you think this is and the but the, another brilliant part of this scene is that you think it's just gonna be a complete like dress down of Willow like oh she's just gonna stand there and take it like have that like uh, look on her face that she always has when somebody reprimands like like uh, she's looking down her mouth is slightly yeah. open um, but she like stops and she says you know Giles you're right. Like, I've become really powerful, so maybe you shouldn't talk shit to me. Yeah. He calls her a rank and arrogant amateur. Um, and yeah, I just, that line is so chilling. Yeah, the, I am very powerful. Maybe it's not such a good idea for you to piss me off. Mm-hmm. It's like, one, we very rarely hear Willow use that language any towards anybody. Language. But to Giles. Yeah. It's, I mean, and then she like, walks it back she's like giles come on like but 
Because I think she realizes that she she went over the line. But notice how she doesn't take it back. She doesn't apologize. She just kind of diffuses. Um, yeah. It's a, it's an amazing scene. It, it is, is, yeah. Um, like some series best and work for it, both of them. Yeah, and I and I hate and I hate seeing it because there are like so many happy scenes with Willow and Giles, but like this scene is just maybe I'm all for that melodrama, maybe I'm here for that dramatic bit, but this is like one of my favorite Willow Giles scenes, yeah. and I think that yeah, you know Willow and Giles, it's like the the pairing, it's one of the main pairings of the show that you think of, and this is like oh hey trouble in paradise well i think it's just also it's just already good just on the page it's good and then you give it to these two actors who are i mean i'm sure they saw those scripts and were like fuck yes like this is some good shit to work with and then this the coda then that just even drives this all even more like makes it all more poignant is that unbeknownst to them, Buffy is right outside on the back porch and hears everything that they're saying. Um, and uh, if you guys were wondering where Spike was this episode, <laughs> don't worry, we're still getting the obligatory Spike appearances. Uh, he, well, we don't see him. We, first we see his cigarette that he flicks it down at her feet, which she puts wearing, it out. She's wearing, like, really awesome boots. Yeah, they're nice. Like, I, I, I love those shoes. Um, and I'm not really like one to point out the shoes <laughs> of anybody really, but I mean, um, Buffy only, Buffy has such nice clothes. She does. <laughs> um, she she yeah, she like stomps it out and she's like, "Hello, Spike." Because who else is throwing cigarette butts at her? Not at her, <laughs> but and I think this scene serves as basically just while we've had hints of it. This is kind of the solidifying of their new dynamic uh-huh. until until the next thing happens, whichever whatever that ends up being. But yeah. um, also, it should be noted that you would think that she would tell Giles about the fact that she was in heaven and not in hell, mm-hmm. but she still doesn't. Yeah, um, he's still kind of now. Giles does say we don't know where she was, um, so I think he might have some doubt about what Buffy's saying mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's neither here nor there but still the one that she feels most comfortable with talking to is of all people Spike yeah and he says he has uh, um, uh, he said, oh gosh I'm trying to remember how it goes there's a line where she's like why do you always come talk to me when I'm alone and uh I think he says, like, because that's when you're sad. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was an interesting comment. Like, I just, I found it very interesting. But, yeah, the, um... And they, also, he's not one for crowds. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. It really is solidifying that Spike, at the moment, is the only one that Buffy is comfortable being open and honest with. Um, and you know you'd expect that with the Scoobies, since she knows that the Scoobies are the ones that brought her back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd expect that with Dawn, because uh, you know we got overprotect Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you would think that Giles, of all people, would be one of the ones that she would open up to. But I think now that she's opened up to Spike first, mm-hmm. 
She's like, okay, one person knows. That's yeah. it. I think if Giles had been there when it all happened, she would have and could have. But I feel like she maybe feels like that door's closed now. Like the moment's passed. Um, she's committed. To, she's committed to no one else knowing, and that includes Giles now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not a healthy dynamic to be having right now, but. Um, it, don't worry nobody <laughs> nobody will ever know <laughs> they'll never find out um inside uh dawn comes downstairs she can't sleep giles can't either uh dawn decides she's gonna go into the kitchen and try mixing together all the cereals that they have uh and wants to see if giles wants to Come. She's clearly not doing that to fall asleep because that's just gonna right. put more sugar in your body. Yeah. She, I, well, Giles is like, you know, I'd rather not have to vomit. Are, so. are, are you a cereal mixer? Um, well, I, I just, I guess it kind of depends. I don't eat a ton of cereal. Okay. Like, the only time I really ever eat cereal, like as an adult, is when we would go on the cabin trips and like have cereal. <laughs> but um. I, when I was a kid, like, I wouldn't mind, um, uh, I really liked, my, well, my favorite cereal is Fruity Pebbles. I fucking love Fruity Pebbles. Um. Wow. A fruity cereal. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Uh, but I liked no, mixing that. Awesome. Um, I liked mixing that. I made one time, uh, um, this Fruity Pebble cookie. Um, it was really good. Um. But uh, I would do um, Fruity Pebble and Lucky Charms, which... Oh, that's too much. Oh, oh no. As an adult, I think I... Like, I sang it just now, made my stomach turn a bit. But oh, when I was a kid. No, I I don't get cereal too often uh, as an adult. But I have found that um, your best base for mixing cereal typically is something along the lines of Rice Krispies. Yeah. Where it adds a bit more texture. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good neutral flavor. Yes. Uh, Rice Krispies and Fruit Loops. Yeah. Fantastic. Rice Krispies and Frosted Flakes. Fantastic. Um, oh, Frosted Flakes are so good. They are. Uh, they're good on their own, but honestly, like, mm-hmm. when you mix it with, like, when you mix it with Rice Krispies, Rice Krispies just seem to work so well with almost every other cereal. Mm-hmm. Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Pebbles might be the one thing that they don't mix well with because they're so similar in shape. Yeah, and texture. Yeah. I was a big fan of... Uh, I really liked uh, Raisin Bran growing up. So the thing... I I do like Bran Flakes, but I am not a big fan of Raisins. So you probably did not like Raisin Bran. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did, did, I, did I mention recently that uh, like last year during Halloween... I got all of the monster cereals. Yes, yeah. Uh, did I mention that on podcast? I don't remember. So um, here's my ranking of the monster cereals, you all. And this is like, uh, you know, Count Chocula, Blueberry, Frankenberry, and um, just released for the first time in a few years, Fruit Brute. That was the one that I was like, when you told me, I was like, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, no. So there's a little little tangent here, but there's also um, Yummy Mummy. Okay. Uh and uh, that is a, uh, and apparently like last, or two years ago, they put all five of them together in one box, called it the Monster Mash. Nice. Uh, Obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else are you going to do? There was uh, someone on the, on that marketing team having a meeting and someone was just like, oh my God, I've 
Got it. Okay, so guys, just just quick rundown of flavors. Count Chocula, chocolate. Um, Frankenberry. Hold on, is this best or worst? Or worst? No, 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 no. I'm running down the flavors. Oh, and then right. I'm ranking them. Gotcha. Uh, quick rundown. Count Chocula, chocolate. Frankenberry, strawberry, blueberry, mixed berry flavor, but it tends to be towards the blueberry flavor. Okay. Um, and fruit fruit is cherry flavor. My order, my ranking is. Frankenberry is the best. Okay. Count Chocula, mm. Fruit Brute, way down low is Booberry. Booberry had like literally, I feel like whatever flavor it had just washed off in the milk. <laughs> and, and it was like, this is, this is very, just, I, this is not the fun experience that the other three are. Um, now, I don't think Fruit Brute was originally cherry flavored, but it is for this release. Gotcha. And, uh, Yummy Mummy is, I think, it's it's some other flavor. It's some other fruit flavor that I'm not thinking of. But uh, the only one that's non-fruit flavored is Count Chocula. I want some fruity pebbles now. <laughs> I mean, you, don't, you don't live too far from Kroger. It's true. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Don's experiment does not get off the ground. Poor girl, because uh, they notice the doorknob rattling. It s- smashes open. Don gets uh, knocked to the ground. Z- uh, Giles gets knocked the fuck out. <laughs> Tradition. It is kind of funny how when he later in the at the end of the episode he says, "Oh, well, I know I'm back in America because I got knocked unconscious." Yes. And this is this is it. This is Giles. I checked the list, and this is Giles's final. Final time being knocked it's out. It's because they pointed it out. Yeah. They, they couldn't They couldn't well keep doing it anymore. Yeah. Well, because I think the last time it happened was also when it got pointed out was in Gingerbread when Cordelia is like, like how many times have you been knocked out? I swear one day you're going to wake up in a coma. Um, <laughs> um, it was so weird to hear you talk about Cordelia and not talk like on a Buffy episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, Buffy comes in, she fights the demon while also being very conscious of, uh, all of the stuff that gets broken, his possessions, a table, a lamp gets broken and the tape, the coffee table gets busted, banister on the, uh, on the, uh, on the stairs gets a nice Giles shaped hole in it. Obviously (laughs) the door, Buffy does successfully save a vase. Um... Uh, Spike shows up to help. She does. He get uh, the back door gets smashed, uh, but then Buffy is like, "No, take him into the kitchen." Yeah, they throw him down into the basement where the flood is, and uh, and uh, and the in the ensuing fight, the demon uh, like hits the pipe, the pipe that uh, oh. Buffy had been working on, and she just loses it. Grabs a copper pipe and just wails on him and beats him to death like this is so brutal you don't see the demon you just see buffy bringing down the copper pipe which might be one of the most brutal right killings on the show i mean i would like the other one is the that i can think of is the um the vampire in the body who she has to like cut through the neck because it's so much more visceral but yeah, she like oh she goes to town. She's screaming, "No more copper repipe!" Um, and it's funny because I thought she was gonna drown him. Like, 
Um, but it's really satisfying to just see her really let out that that frustration. Yeah. Um, and this fight comes down and he's like, whoa, did you know it was flooded down here? <laughs> and she's just like staring at the pipe, like just fuck everything. Um, the next day, the, uh, Anya helps Buffy put together a rundown of, you know, the, the damage and how much it's going to cost. And Buffy's like, fuck, I've tried tried this house so many times. Um, but Giles, you know, reassures her. He's like, you know, you know, your mom's, yeah, Buffy spends so much time comparing herself to, to Joyce in this episode. It's time for Giles to do it. And with a bit of hope too. Yeah, he's like, your mother handled all sorts of crises. You know, she took them one at a time. She, she didn't, didn't have, have superpowers, superpowers. And she always got through it. I did have a kind of a shitty thought in my head, though, when he's like, she always got through it. I was like, well, except for that last one. But... <laughs> Sorry, I know that's Oh, so man. <laughs> that is rough. 99% success rate. Oh, <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the phone rings. In the middle of the night, oh my God. <laughs> can't do this with you anymore. <laughs> uh, Buffy goes to answer it, and Don's like, Don's like, do you think we'll starve? And Giles is like, <laughs> no. And she's like, do you think I should, uh, like, quit school and go work in a factory where they make, like, like where they use child labor to make toys? And he's like, Don, what the fuck? <laughs> what have you been reading? <laughs> um, but Buffy comes back and tells us that uh, it was Angel on the phone. Um, he has been made aware that yes. she is alive. As, as we saw at the end of Carpe Noctum. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing, well, I'm not guessing. We know based on this that they didn't talk when Willow called. So I'm assuming Willow called probably after she called Giles. I'm, I'm if I'm guessing the timeline, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that Carpe Noctum, the end of Carpe Noctum, is happening more or less at the same time as the end of Afterlife, and Buffy makes that call, or no, not the end of Afterlife. I guess it would be the beginning of Afterlife. Whenever Buffy, whenever Willow calls Giles, I would just guess she probably also called mm-hmm. Angel. And Buffy was already in bed at that point, so she's probably like, eh, she's asleep. Give her give her a minute. Um But yeah, Buffy's like, we I need to see him. Giles is like, yeah, of course, you know, get all this sorted and tomorrow will you go to LA? And she's like, No, I'm not going there. He's not coming here. We're meeting somewhere in the middle. And I actually have to go right now. And Giles kind of tries to be like, Well, we need to and she's like, Thanks for sorting all of this out. And she just leaves. And Don and Giles are just kind of like, um, okay. <laughs> um, and there's, the end of this episode, and it wasn't just the end, but there were several times in the episode where there were, like, reaction shots from characters that just went on just, like, a second or two too long. Yeah. Like, the very end, I was like, okay, we should have cut away already. This is, like, um, there, it happened around the time that Tara asks, um, 
Dawn about breakfast. There's just like a lingering shot on Dawn. It almost kind of looks like Michelle Trachtenberg like, like doesn't really know like what she's supposed to be doing. But and it, like it just takes a little bit too long before it cuts to Buffy. And I noticed that in a couple places in the episode, but um, in the end, too, especially, I was just like, this is awkward. And, <laughs> and like, I don't think in the way that the episode's trying to make me feel. Like, um, but yeah, that is flooded. Should we uh, give the bad news um, now or at the beginning of uh, the next Angel episode? Let's wait to the beginning of the next Angel okay. episode. Bad news is for concerning, like, oh, this this meetup yeah. with Angel between Angel and Buffy. Yeah, I say we save it. Okay. Um. Yeah, flooded. Um. I think generally, it's I can take or leave this shit with the trio and the demon, like whatever. Um. But all the like core like Scooby stuff generally really really works for me in this episode. Yeah, particularly the, like that Willow Giles scene is a banger. But there, yeah, there's there's some. This episode has its ups and downs. Yeah, there's a there's some stuff that works great. There's some stuff that's okay. There's some stuff like Buffy randomly staring at the water faucet. Um, overall, I'd say it's a good episode, not mm-hmm. a great episode. Yeah, I'm, that's. That's my vibe, too. I, I think I'd give it three copper pipes. Oh, wow. I was actually going to give it 3.5. All right. Uh, three and a half. Uh, three and a half breakfast. <laughs> out of five. <laughs> All right, Mr. Hobbit. Um, yeah. I'm excited. This is also a good... Um, here, this is a post more, like we're done with yeah, yeah we're done with the opener we've got Buffy back to life we've done like most of the whole like uh we know what her trauma is now we're not yeah. discovering it so this this episode actually set a lot of good foundation for mm-hmm. what's to come in this season yeah apart from just introducing the trio yeah it's very much like the first the three part opening. Because I do kind of consider Afterlife to be almost bargaining part yeah. three. Um, is a bit of like a... It's the bridge between seasons five and season six. Um, and now we're really in season six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other final thoughts? Not really. Farts or twats? No, I, got, I, I already got all my farts out. I don't know what's going on in my brain. Never do. Well, um, thank you all for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 3, Episode 5, Fredless. Aww. I wonder what that one could be about. Well, I mean, it, 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 if it truly is Fredless, uh, it, it can't be that great of an episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> correct. <laughs> Everything before before season, season one and two season one and two, garbage. Garbage. <laughs> Absolute trash. Utter tripe. <laughs> Um, I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yummyj357. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. And you can also email us 
at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out, A-N-D, in all of those instances. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, rates and reviews will, uh, ratings and reviews will, like, help us get a little bit more exposure. And yeah. you can... Shit, you can share our wonderful dulcet tones with the rest of the world. I thought you were about to say you can shit. I was like, okay. Oh. Um, I mean, you, you can if you need <laughs> to. Yes, please. You should if you need to. <laughs> Everyone, please shit. Uh, each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we are highlighting Life Pieces to Masterpieces. Life Pieces to Masterpieces uses artistic expression to develop character and leadership, unlock potential, and prepare African-American boys and young men to transform their lives and communities. Visit www.lifepieces.org for more information. Oh, and as always, go slay and be gay. Ta. Bye.